the last few weeks, we've trekked um, some different mountains together, have we not? It's been a while. You're like, yes, can we leave the mountains, okay? You said it was 6% of the world comprised of mountain ranges. It seems like it's 94% by how much you talk about it, okay? Um, you do have something to go back to if you've missed some of the mountains. We do have a podcast. We do have opportunity for you to listen online. Um, we, we put the podcast up later on Sunday or Monday to make sure that you're here on Sunday. <laughs> uh, we're not live streaming yet. We're not there. We may have the internet that's fast enough, but we want to see you here kind of thing. All right. But we've tracked some mountains and um, God's done some great things as we've done that. We started with the Mount of Obedience. Uh, and took a look at the life of Abraham on the literal Mount of Moriah, uh, where he exhibited unbridled obedience to God. Uh, he, as he was willing to give up his only son. You know, that's just, that's a big deal. I can't even imagine uh, that type of obedience uh, in my life uh, to be willing to do that. We then took a look at the Mount of Victory with Elijah as he called down fire from heaven. Just a small detail. No big deal. You're just like, fire. <laughs> wow. I don't know. Rob left already. He, I think he's going to be trying to do that at the camp when we go. Um, it's going to be awesome. Um, we're really excited about that. It's a ginger thing. You wouldn't understand. But um, he is the man. I love that guy. All right. So we went a bit further to another mountain, the Mount of Authority, uh, which is the place where the disciples observed the temporary metamorphosis of their Savior, where, where they saw him transfigured before their eyes, and they realized who he really is. And who they really could become with that power, with that authority, that understanding of who I am in him and how that makes a difference to my life here on earth. They understood the Messiah. And then uh, we, we found ourselves last week at the Mount of Uncertainty. That's a fun place to be, is it not? Don't you love when everything's a hot mess? Mm, I, I love it. I Ask Kara, I love it when everything's a hot. I love when things are totally out of order, when I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. Or I, I crave it. I wake up in the morning and just wonder, how can everything get messed up today? You know what I mean? How many things can the kids throw in my path between here and the kitchen to get coffee? Do you, is there a revival taking place anywhere else but here? Jordan, get ready, buddy, okay? You guys are starting to feel that quiver, so um, it's happening soon. Three boys, Tiff knows what I'm talking about there. She's just learned to, it's like a, an exercise. I've watched you. You know, it's, it's amazing. High knees everywhere so she doesn't fall. Um, the Mount of Uncertainty. A unique, a unique mountain uh, because it isn't the most notable, largest uh, peak or uh, biggest range. It's that thing that always kind of creeps around. That thing that always is kind of resident in your life. And that thing that uh, as soon as you, like today, experience God in a new way, this is that thing that kind of creeps in, that mount of uncertainty. Being like, um, I really, did he really, did I? Um, I'm not certain. But with him, we become certain. Amen? Are you with me on that? This understanding. Um, we were encouraged by the story of Jonathan and his friend known only as the armor bearer because of their excitement and their tenacity to climb a cliff with armor, you know, with a sword on the back kind of thing, scale. Have you ever tried one of those walls, anybody? That's a joke, okay? I tried it when we went to this little fun land place with the kids one time. It wasn't fun land, okay? It was the desert experience of my life because I get up two rungs on these little things and, like, my hands are hurting, my feet are hurting. I can't make it up, you know, three feet. It's one of those things. These guys climbed the cliff, and then fight when they get to the top because perhaps he'll act on my behalf. Perhaps God will help us in this unknown, this uncertain 
circumstance. And he did. So today we find ourselves, and this is what I like to do, uh, take you on a bit of a journey, take you on a bit of an experience. We're back in the car. Like I said to you earlier, uh, we got back from our, our staff retreat uh, yesterday evening, and I've never been to the Ohio Pile area. How many of you guys have been? Raise your hands if you have. I see those hands. God bless you. God bless you. Um, I had never been. So it was just like, I'm a kid in a kid. I'm like, Carrie, did you see that? Look at that. Wow, that's, did you see that house? That's amazing. Ooh, look at the big rocks, you know, kind of thing. I'm like a three-year-old going out there. But we find ourselves on that journey together again. All right? Picture yourself in a big old car. Are you with me? You're like, yeah, it'd have to be a bus with all these folks. It'll be fun. It'll be fun, especially in the summer. Hot and nasty. Um, picture yourself in the bus with me, all right? We're taking a journey together, all right? scale it back a little bit, maybe just you and one person. That might work a little bit better for you, okay? You're in the car again, and you're taking a trip. There's nothing better than a mountain drive, right? To get to see all the beauty, to see all the things. You're like, uh, isn't this the mountains that are kind of hard sometimes? Yes, bear with me. But we're back in the car together. We're, we're going up, and, and we're, we're heading up the pass, okay? We're getting ready. We're almost there to the state park. We're almost, you can tell, there's less and less houses and there's more and more trees. You know, your allergies are flaring up more and more as the windows are down, if anybody knows what I'm talking about there. Um, so you're like, this is beautiful. I'm like, oh, this, oh, this is great kind of thing, all right? You're almost there. Just you and the friend now. Just you and the friend. And this friend is, is very important to you. This friend is someone that you trust, that you care about, that you've done life with. No, this is like your, your best friend growing up, um, your best friend. Uh, and I have one of those where we, we were wild together and we love Jesus together kind of friend. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? That kind of friend. Or the friend that you went to Sunday school with, you went to, to middle school with, and then you went to college with, and you're still friend. That kind of friend. You're on a journey. Can, do you have a friend in your mind now? Are you with me? So this is cool, right? This is a fun experience because you're with that friend taking the trip that you always want to do. Like my buddy Jamie and I, when we went to this this camping place, this this campground that was out a cabin out in the middle of nowhere, and we're riding around on a golf cart like two little girls having a blast. Okay, and like ah, that friend, you're with them. You're on the trip. All right, you with me? Maybe it's the hunting trip for you too. I don't know what it is, but you're heading up this mountain, right? And you don't know where you're going because they're taking you on this special trip. They're like, just come with me. It's going to be awesome. I have something I want to share with you, but it's going to be awesome. Just, just here's what the pack. Here's the time to meet me. Let's go on a trip. So you're heading up. Remember, you left where, the, where all the, the houses were, and you're getting to where all the trees are. You see the state park signs, and all of a sudden, you just pull into this parking lot. It's the beginning of the trail, right? It's the beginning of the trail. You've done that before. You're grabbing your stuff out of the car, small talk, having fun. Just a good day. You know, it's just awesome. The weather's perfect. Sunshine, not too hot, not too humid, just perfect day for a hike. And you begin to trek up the trail. You're together, you know, talking about, remember that time when we were over there and we jumped off that bridge together? Remember that time we uh, did that, that the zip line thing? That was cool. Uh, remember, remember that time the car broke down and we got stuck for like three hours because you were driving that old piece of junk? that you love so much, Justin, that Volkswagen, GTI, remember that? I just love junk. I don't know if anybody else is with me. But we're walking along and we're talking. Good time. Good time. And then we, be, we see, uh, you know, the trees are, are getting a little bit smaller. You know, the trees are getting a little bit, because they're getting a little bit higher. You know, and, and, and you, you see yourself um, a lot more rocks and things like that. The trails are getting more rocky, right? And, you, and you're, you're, you can tell you're nearing the top. 
You can tell you're getting to the place where it's like, oh, this is going to be cool. I can't wait to see the view, right? It's all about the view. I can't wait to see the view. I can't wait till I get up there. It's going to be so cool. Small talk happens still. A couple minutes go by, and then it's just like, it opens up, right? You know the feeling? You're just like, wow, this is amazing. Look, those are the houses we passed when we were driving up here. That's like you can see the beginning of the forest, the state park area. This is amazing. You got to be able to see like 15 miles from it. This is, whoa, thanks, man. This is great. So you pull out your lunch because you've been hiking for a while. And you sit down. And your friend says to you, hey, Justin, I'm filling your name. This is, this is hard for me to say, but you don't seem like you're happy or whatever. Like, what's, what's, I mean, remember all the stuff we talked about and how much we used to laugh and do, what happened, man? The, we used to have fun. Like, life was great. Was it because you got married to Kara? No, that's made it better. <laughs> Just kidding. A wife does not suck the life out of you. Men, young men, it actually is amazing the relationship you can have. But he's like, seriously, though, man, what happened? And you're like, I don't know. It was like just one day. I didn't have any hope. One day, I guess something changed in my life where I didn't look ahead. I didn't want to wake up. I didn't, I didn't want to go to work. I didn't even want to be a parent. I didn't want to be a boss. I didn't want to be a smiling person at the grocery store. Why? What happened? I don't know. And they say, you know what? I get it. That's why I want to talk to you today. That's why I wanted you to come up here because I wanted you to get a perspective. But I also wanted to share something with you. I get it. Do you remember a few years back when... I was going through that deep, dark time. Yeah, I do remember that. Um, What happened? God gave me hope. God gave me hope. And today we're talking about the mount of hope. The time when the friend got it, and now the time when you get it. Have you ever had one of those experiences with a friend? It's amazing because they love you so much. They care about you so much that they want to help bring the positive change that comes with a relationship with God. And that's what we need to see today as an encouragement, as a reminder that as we trek life, maybe it's in the big bus and it's not necessarily with anybody, just one person. We need hope. We need hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. People can literally get sick if they don't have hope. Literally get sick. Hear stories of people having fevers and, you know, stomach pains. Because I don't know what tomorrow holds. The mount of hope. The mount of hope. Hope is this, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. A feeling of trust. In who? In what? The action part, wanting something to happen or to be the case. See, today we find ourselves at this 
Mount of Olives, this Mount of Hope. There's so many things that happened on this mountain that are important. There's so many things that happened that are essential to our faith. There's so many things that happened that will infuse us with hope. And I'm going to share those things with you in just a moment, just a few of them. But hope is a thing that we really need. We need, we need to be able to pull hope out of our pocket and say, there it is. I see hope. I see that's possibility. That's keys to the future. That's, that's hope there. I, I, sometimes we don't have it. We reach in and we pull out pocket lint. And that's nothing of no worth or value. This Mount of Olives really is a pretty high mountain and pretty significant mountain in Jerusalem area. 2,684 feet. And it acts as a watershed and a, a place that really is, is unique in a, in a different way that I'm going to share with you in just a moment because of the, the sedimentary rock that is there. This place also is known to be the home, the resting place of some 150,000 people who have died. You're like, how do you find hope in a graveyard? Bear with me. Hope. This Mount of Olives. So what you see is uh, this person, your friend, beginning to, to build the, the situation. Where, like, there's this other mountain that I, that I identified in Scripture when I was really, really struggling with this time. It's this Mount of Olives, and, and he tells you the stats. She tells you the stats, and she tells you about the things that happened there. And they say, I want to share with you a few things. Again, you're back to the, you're eating lunch together. You're just doing life. You're loving on each other. And she says, see this, this first thing when it comes to this mountain, that hope is found in only God. It's found in only God. You've got to understand, Justin, that you've been trying really, really hard on your own. You have. I get it. I see it. But you've got to understand that you can only find this hope in God. You can only find it in God. What a true statement. Remember how I told you that there was a lot of things that happened on this mountain to make it significant. And this friend's telling you the same thing. Hey, there's a lot of things that happened here. Do you remember the guy named Solomon? Do you remember that story about Solomon when we were a kid? When we were, remember in Sunday school and they would tell the stories and stuff like that? Or in kids' church? Do you remember Solomon? Uh, yeah, yeah, Solomon. He was David's son, remember? And uh, he was quite the figure. This guy was amazing. He, he had many, many, many accomplishments. He was, he was slated to build the temple. I mean, this is a big deal for Jewish culture. He's like, he's going to build a church like none other. This guy, you remember him, right? You remember what he did? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, do you remember his mom, Bathsheba? Oh, Bathsheba. How can I forget old Bathsheba? In the Bathsheba, yes, I remember her. David on the roof, she's on the other roof. And it's like, well, hello, okay. Yes, Bathsheba. That was my favorite part of Sunday school that day. Come on, bud, get your mind. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Bathsheba, yes. Well, do you remember what happened? You know, their child died, and then Solomon, and, you know, he, God redeemed that thing, remember? Remember that, how that, that changed the course of history with his birth, and also how, remember how amazing he was? Solomon, yeah, 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 I get it, yeah, yeah. Remember how God showed how his grace was sufficient with this story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember in 1 Kings chapter 3, as you see Solomon growing older, 
He has a conversation with God. You remember that? Vaguely. Fall on your screen. Do you remember that time? When he was on that, that high place in Gibeon. And he had a dream and God showed up in it. And they talked. They had this conversation. And God asked him, what do you want, Solomon? What do you want? I see your heart. What do you want? Whatever you want. I'll give it to you. Do you remember when he answered? So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. That was what he wanted in that relationship at that point in time. Do you remember how he responded? And then you see in verse 29 of 1 Kings 4 that God gave Solomon wisdom and great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than any other man. And his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs. This man was legit. And his songs numbered 1,005 I did not know they had billboard then. Did anybody else know that they had the billboard? Okay, they did. He described plant life. Was that a botanist, right? From the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He also taught about animals and birds and reptiles and fish. Men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom. Sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. You remember that guy? Super smart. His SAT scores, it's perfect. How did he do that? That whole wisdom thing. He had that special connection with God. Yeah, I do remember that. There's more to his story, though. You read on, and you see between uh, 1 Kings 11, 1 through 11, something changes in Solomon's life. I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to give you an understanding real quick. Solomon began to believe his own press. He began to believe that I'm the man. I'm the man. There we go. She's got week two, baby. All right. This is going to be good. She said, I'm the man. Okay, pastor. Keep rolling. Uh, die in the desert. He believed his press, but he also wanted to do whatever his multi- thousand wives wanted to do in his life. That dude's cray. I can't handle one well, let alone that many. So what did he do? I love to make you happy. Anything, right? What do you want, baby? You just tell me. I'll rope the moon and bring it down. I can't do that. But whatever you want, I'll clean. I'll, I'll put my dirty clothes in. I'll do that. This guy said, whatever you want. So he began to build up these idols for these foreign gods. He's like, Justin, do you remember when he did that? Do you remember when he set up these idols for these gods, these other gods for his girls? Do you remember that? On the Mount of Olives, do you remember that? Like, yeah. At that point in time, Solomon stopped believing that uppercase G could do it. He said, I need more gods. I need more things in my life. All of the wisdom in the world, the smartest man known, and all of the, the, the area then fell to something stupid, like believing that God couldn't do it. The giver of everything. 
It's like, do you remember that? I do. It's like, look, Justin, only God can do it for you. Only God can do it for you. Only God. After everything Solomon had done, he missed it. After having all the wisdom and riches, he missed it. How sad. I think of Joshua, and I've shared this before because I, I love this. Joshua 24, 14 and 15. How Joshua you know, concludes his life. He says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But, but as for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord. Joshua got it. We have to be willing, and I don't know what it looks like in your life, to crush the, the foreign gods that we lean on. Crush the things that we think give us the ability to have hope and find hope in the one true God. There's still time to choose. The second thing is this. Hope is found in God's people. It's a powerful story. I remember sitting there and he's like, hey, do you remember that time? You know, uh, when Jesus would, you know, travel, travel when he was trying to get some downtime and some quiet in his life. And he He'd go to that area of Bethany, and there were some people that lived there, his friends. Remember his friends? Mary, Martha, Lazarus. Remember La Yes, Lazarus. Big story. Dude, that was legit. Do you remember what happened? He was like all smelly and stuff, and he comes out the tomb. Remember that thing? That was cool, right? He's like, listen with me. These folks were Jesus' friends. He would spend time with them. He loved them. He cared for them. They were God's people. But then one day, tragedy struck within their friends. Tragedy struck in this moment where things really hit the fan in his life. This event happened that forever changed the landscape of, of Scripture, of these people's lives, and us today. What happened was, again, Lazarus died while Jesus was doing ministry somewhere else. One of his friends died. Okay, now let's remember, 100% God, 100% man was Jesus, right? Which means Jesus probably knew that Lazarus was going to die, right? Are you with me on this? If you think about it. He's probably like, oh, you know, Sharon doing something in public and Lazarus just died. Okay, I'm going to keep rolling. Can you imagine? Do you ever read it like that? I, I do. Fun, it's fun. We'll read the Bible together someday. It'll be wonderful. But you see these folks experience this type of tragedy that is unprecedented unprecedented, unequal, and they have a friend that they know is, is a healer. They could have prevented him from dying. Okay? You could have stopped it, plus you probably knew it happened. And you're just lollygagging, waiting a few days to come hang out with us again. Just doing, doing your Jesus thing. Be healed. See? Walk. Lazarus is dead. Thanks a lot. Remember I opened my house to you? We used to hang out. I'd feed you. We'd laugh and joke together. And then now you're just, you don't even care. Lazarus is dead. Thanks. And then we see him restore hope because he does come. He is a friend that will meet you where you're at and meet you in your circumstance. John 11, 21 through 27. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, 
my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Hope. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus like, come on, get here with me. Come here. He said, I am the resurrection and the life right now. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come to this world. And then what happens? He restores their hope fully. John eleven thirty eight. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. So what I'm thinking is they're still in the area. Remember, there's 150,000 tombs. People have been buried there for over 3,000 years kind of thing. It might still be in the area. So they're in, back in the neighborhood. Like, well, let's, let's go where we buried Lazarus. Let's go see. Let's go. All right. I believe. I have hope. He said, take away the stone. But Lord, he stunk when he was alive. Basically, he's got to be terrible now. This is going to be, Jesus, are you sure? This is going to be a hot mess inside. You do not want to roll away the stone. You do not want to remove this thing right here. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, if you have hope, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Jesus prayed, right? I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called a loud voice. Did anybody listen to Carmen back in the day when you were kids? Did you ever hear of Carmen? There's this... (laughs) you got to find it. There was a song he used to do, and it was Lazarus. It was Lazarus, right? Do you remember this at all? Anybody remember hearing this now? Is it bringing back nightmares? Uh, it did for me. Check it out. You'll love it. YouTube it, whatever. It's, it's wonderful. It's one of those things from the 80s, early 90s that just completes your life. <laughs> You're on YouTube anyways. Find you some Carmen. He says, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. The dead man came out, but he came out alive. He came out giving them hope. See, you find hope in God's people. Think about that. You find hope in God's people. Of course, Jesus is God's people, but your friends around you, the person you're hanging out with on the mountain, you find hope in that person in that moment. When they share what God has done for them, when he took something that was dead and he brought it back to life. Third thing, hope is found in Jesus' sacrifice. The Garden of Gethsemane, you've heard about this before, is a place whose name literally means oil press. Remember the Mount of Olives. And is located on a slope of that mountain, just across the Kidron Valley from Jerusalem. A garden of ancient olive trees that stood there. And we see some pretty famous things happen in Jesus' life. The Olivet Discourse, he's speaking about the things to come at the end of time. You see um, him going there to pray. You see him with his disciples and things like that that happened in this garden. It's 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 a very important garden in biblical history. And then we see something that changes everything on one night. We see the weight of Jesus' sacrifice on him. We see 
Luke twenty two thirty nine through 46. And he came out and proceeded, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. When he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, this is when it gets heavy, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. In that moment, he felt the full weight of the sacrifice of your and my sin. That's what he was feeling. He was feeling, and you know what it feels like, right? If you've ever had someone that's bigger than you, maybe when you were a kid, you remember this specifically, and they'd, they'd say, all right, jump with their hands on your shoulders. Jump. You can do it. Come on. Well, I had an older brother. That was a lot of fun, okay? Brecken, you going to help me, buddy? He would do this to me, right? And he'd be like, come on, buddy. Come on. He put his hand on my head like this. He's like, come on. You can do it. Come on, punch me. Come on. He didn't know I had my legs, too, bro. I got him. <laughs> You know what I'm saying, though? That that full force, the full force of our sin, and really even at times our hatred toward him because we love sin more sometimes. He felt that in that moment. We felt us reading the weight of his sacrifice at that place. And here's what we hear. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. He gave him strength. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow. And said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation. He said, look, this is so heavy, I'm sweating blood. I have never felt the feeling I feel right now because I feel, disciples, I feel your sin. I feel your rejection. I feel the full weight of what this sacrifice looks like. Hope is found in that, though. Like, that doesn't make sense. Absolutely. Because his sacrifice, eventual life, death on the cross, and resurrection, right, gives us hope. Hope. A lot of times we don't talk about that. We downplay this whole Jesus died on the cross thing. I just want to have fun. I want to hang out in a community and we can like eat food together and we can talk about connect groups and we can watch Mark Batterson. He's really super cool. He's trendy. He's in, he's in Washington, D.C. He has a coffee house. He must love Jesus. He has a coffee house. He brews coffee with a purpose for missions. I want to be a Christian and have a coffee house. A lot of times we don't want to feel this weight, though. This is it's hurtful, man. How he was beaten. His flesh ripped from his sides. His hair and his beard pulled and his thorns stuffed in his head. And the stuff they put on him when it would swell his skin and re-injure him and re-injure him and re-injure him. We don't like that sacrifice. That's not, I don't want to talk about that. Let's just make, Matt, make me a Chemex. Make me some coffee. I don't want to think about it. Tell me something encouraging. In that moment, we have hope when we identify with the sacrifice of Christ. We have hope. That's what gives us the ability to live, his sacrifice. And not just here on earth, but forever with him. The last thing is this, hope is found in Jesus' departure. This is hard, right? 
You're sitting on the mountain with your friend. You're hanging out. You're having an awesome conversation. You're encouraged. You're like, yeah, I've got hope, man. Let's, let's go up another mountain. Let's talk about something. I don't think I can do anything right now. He says, oh, by the way, I'm moving to Bangkok. You're leaving? Things just, you're helping me on this hope journey, man. We've, we had a moment. I cried, man. I said, get back in there, Tia. You know, I cried. I don't do that with it. How do you think the disciples felt? The ascension of Christ. How do you think they felt when you're telling me all these deep things and you're like sweating blood over there and stuff and now you're going to leave? You were the Messiah, or the Messiah, the Messiah that was supposed to save us. You're just going to whoop up out in the clouds? Thanks. This is great. Say to your friend, thanks. You're rolling. Awesome. 18 years of investment. Take it easy. Have fun. Live it up in Bangkok. His departure. Acts 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, after his sacrifice, right, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs. You know, because Thomas would never doubt. I mean, he would never. I mean, it's, no, not at all. Proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, you remember him, he baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Remember, they're like, come on, uh, you want to fight a little bit? Help us out. You know what I'm going through here. He said, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And he steps it out. And all Judea. And he steps it out more. And Samaria. And then he steps it out even more into the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And the cloud hid him excuse me, hid him from their sight. And then you see them looking up intently up into the sky thinking, oh, that was cool. Let's see, it's been five minutes. You ain't gonna come right back. You know, you t- they're talking to each other like, hey, Carl, he said he'd come back, right? Did you, he says, right? Like you heard that. I was, it wasn't gas pains or something. I felt that like it was, okay. They're looking up. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside the men of Galilee. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way. You have seen him go into heaven. Can you imagine the depth of their heartache at this moment? Three years of their lives with this guy. Seeing the most amazing things ever recorded. The Bible the most really proved book of mankind. The most amazing things ever recorded, known to man. They witnessed it firsthand, had shared it through their own good news story, the Gospels. And now he comes back 
man, we're going to get this thing rolling. Us and Jesus, it is on. You think he was bad before he died? He's even badder. That's, yeah, just go with it. Then he leaves. But he doesn't leave them empty-hearted or empty-handed because he had to leave so that they could receive. He had to go so that they could grow. He had to go back to his Father in heaven so that they could really work this thing out and walk it out. Hope is found. Hope is found in Jesus' departure. It's one thing. It's one thing to always need a certain person to help you in life, right? But it's another thing to have the Holy Spirit with you all the time. Because what he can do for you in a moment, like earlier in the service today, what he can speak to your life can do more than any person can in a lifetime. We need him. Worship team, if you guys could come up. We need him in our lives to complete us. We need him in our lives, the Holy Spirit to help us. We did a, um, and hopefully this doesn't ruin it for other people someday, but um, we did an exercise on our trip that did not just include walking through mountains and hills and over rocks and stuff like that. So something that Rob did with Chi Alpha when they went on their trip, their missions trip back in spring. And Rob's like, bro, when we go to our trip, we've got to do this. I'm like, well, come on. He's like, no, you don't understand. Am I ruining this for anybody? Hopefully not someday. Just go with it. I remember, he said, I remember this, this moment that we had. It was where somebody took an empty chair before us as a group we did this thing you know all about this Katie called words of life and he said the night before what what we did is we had on our team one chair that one member would sit in and everybody else on the team would take just a second pray just a moment and then speak words of life to them based upon what the Holy Spirit said like, woo! No, not the Holy Ghost crazy stuff. No, he's he's here. Jesus departed so that he could be here. So he said, we sat there and we took turns. So Friday night, that was wow. Jacked me up. Because I'm sitting in this chair and we go around and everybody's like, I see you as this, and I feel like God wants to tell you that, and you're going to do this for the kingdom, you know. You're going to raise a flag and just run us into to battles, one of the things like Matt said. I was so humbled and so blown away that he, Holy Spirit, he, he would want to speak to me like that in that moment. That he would want to speak words of life through my family the way we see it in that moment and it was we were it was you know there was let the river flow up in that how many boxes of tissues i'm not afraid to cry i'm not one of those guys we were so humble and then came saturday morning it was on we were a hot mess 
it's cool. We, we really love and care for each other. This is why the DNA of the foundry is what it is, because we fight for family. That's what we do. Fight for family. And here goes Rob, messed up self, telling everybody, I've got a friend coming tomorrow. And this was Friday night, and now we're at Saturday morning. He's, he's here now, today, outside, and, and I'm going to bring him in. This is going to stretch us. But you remember what we did last night? We're going to bring him in and we're going to set him in the chair. That's me up thinking about it. We're going to set him in the chair and then you're going to speak words of life to him. So then what happens? This is Emmanuel, my friend Emmanuel, and the chair is empty. Visually empty. (laughs) But spiritually, that thing is... I see Jesus sitting there. I see... His sacrifice. I see all my hurt and pain. and We saw walls. We saw like, oh my goodness. When we looked at him. It was jacked up, wasn't it? And I, I thanked him for how he was there for me when my family was falling apart. And I thanked him for how he brought me care of and, and all that she's done for my life. And I just stood there, well, sat there because the chair was right across from me and I'm talking to him and it's like I've never I've never articulated these words to you and I'm sorry but you're with me you're you're God with me it's not just a Christmas theme Emmanuel God with us it's the Holy Spirit with us every single day but I, I don't even tell him enough what I appreciate. I don't even tell him enough how much hope he's given me. How can I lead this, guys? I mean, honestly, the church. I'm 34 years old. You guys have way more wisdom than I have in many different ways. You're older than me. I don't have a master's degree. I don't. You're like, oh, geez, I got to leave. The list goes on of what I don't have, but what I do have is hope because of him. And he's placed vision in my heart for this community. And I'm going to love him with everything in me. And you're going to go with me. That's what we do. We work together. We reach a community. But I thanked him for what he created in the foundry with us. You know what I mean? I thanked him how he provided and what he does every single day. When's the last time you had that conversation with your friend, Emmanuel, on the mountain? amount of hope because I can guarantee when you begin to survey the past he'll give you plenty of reasons why you have hope there's no doubt about it the song we played last week great things where we thank him for the hardship why because you're not in it right now or you were in it at one point you thank him for it because he brought you hope we don't have to be sick because our hope is not deferred Our hope is here. Our hope is here. Emmanuel, God with us. That's what I need you to do. I need you to have that conversation. It'll change everything. You might think you have hope. And you may not realize it, but your hope's in the wrong things. And it's not like you're sinning doing it. Think about it. 
you're not even committing to sin having your hope. And But there's a different type of hope that we got to have that's only found in Him. And it's so key. It's so important that we find who we are in Him. It's so important, so key that He's inside of us all the time and we have this conversation. Because He is the giver of hope. It's in Him leaving. It's in His sacrifice. It's in the people that He's placed around us. It's in it. It's only in Him and God alone. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. You've been sitting for a while. You're probably ready for this. And in your seat, you can probably see this chair from the angle that you're at. If not, it's right here. It's funny. Nobody sat here on purpose. Thanks, guys. You guys listened. But you can see this chair. You can see Emmanuel. You can see him. And what I want you to do as you look and we sing for a moment, I want you to have the conversation. But then I want you to respond. And that might feel uncomfortable or whatever. But make a move even. And there's space all the way across if you like or even in the aisles or something. But I want you to make a move showing that you're getting closer to him. Because each time a different conversation had to happen, the chair went in front of you, didn't it? And then we leaned in with him. We leaned in. And then I guarantee you that healing happened yesterday morning. I guarantee you that restoration happened when we had a face-to-face conversation with Emmanuel. I guarantee it. I don't doubt it. I also guarantee that the enemy's fighting. He's even fighting you right now on this side of the conversation. Like, well, that guy, they're just like a, there's like this nice little cool sound that's happening in the background and Matt's picking the guitar and that's making me get excited or whatever. And I, no, the Holy Spirit's saying something to you. And it's your job to act. You might be saying some crazy stuff, but it's your job to act. And we'll help you be with you. We'll stand with you. We don't have it figured out, which is even better, so we can mess up together and then learn from it. But we will love him and we will love them and we'll do it together with his help. So as we begin to sing, um, I want you to, to do the survey. Begin to have the conversation. And as, as a conclusion to that conversation, you have an amen moment when you're like, amen, I'm stepping up. Because that mountain was a place that they went away to. They walked to. And this may be the steepest incline you've ever experienced in your life from there to here. Because it's a faith move. It's a overt action on your faith that's changing inside. There's nothing sacred about these square carpet tiles versus the one that's at your seat. But there's something important about you making a move. And maybe it's moving towards somebody too, but I really want to challenge you because we want to go we want to go after God with stuff and believe that he can do it. But it's your move. 
So as they begin to sing, begin to talk, then if you would like prayer, Karen and I are going to be up here. Anthony's coming up too. Our, our team, our family, that we're believing for great things for your life. We want to see it happen. So we'll stand with you. Have the conversation. Make your way up.
37. I've shared this with you before, but God keeps bringing it back. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. He said, so I prophesied. I was commanded. I spoke to these bones. I spoke to the situation. I spoke to the circumstance. Prophecy. I spoke. I spoke to it. Come. Breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. They came to life stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. People of Foundry, these are the bones of the folks of Morgantown that aren't living yet. They look like they are, and there's nothing wrong with that. They're not living yet. He's challenging us to speak to these bones. Speak to the people you know. Tell them you love them. Tell them that God is real. Speak life to them. Speak life to them. Because God's raising up a vast army, not one that fights as the world fights, but against powers and principalities. Someone you know has cancer, you pray for them. Believe that they'll be healed. Someone is in a financial peril in their lives, you pray for them that God will intervene. You speak life. You prophesy life to them believe that God will do it. It'll change from the city of dry bones to the city of life. Because there was a fresh breath that came that filled them. Emmanuel, the Holy Spirit, God with us. This is how we're going to conclude with the challenge of this. If you need him and you need a new relationship with him or you need to fix things, do it. Tell somebody let's keep growing. So as I pray, if you need to say, I commit my life for the first time to Jesus, I do that. I identify. Do that. If you need to rededicate your life, which means you need to realign your life with what he wants for you, do that. But make sure you share it. Even on the back of a connect card to say, I received Jesus today for the first time. So we can continue our journey with you and help you grow. And help you avoid the same mistakes we made. So God, right now, we consecrate ourselves, we set ourselves apart for your service, and we ask that you would repair the relationship, that, that and because you are the only one who can, we accept what you did on that cross that day, 
accept that we receive life because of it. We accept that we own up that we have sinned and that we've fallen short, but we know that your grace abounds in this moment so that we can have a relationship with you, either for the first time or for the 15th time. Your grace is here and your presence is with it. And we say, forgive us and lead us to the way you want us to be and where you want us to be. Say this in Jesus' mighty name.